0: We cover many serious issues in this podcast. This discussion may contain reference to domestic violence, sexual violence, violence against children, suicide, drug use, or graphic depictions of death or dead bodies. It is not suitable for all
1: audiences. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries Rewind, two friends get together to discuss episodes of their favorite television show, Unsolved Mysteries will they find answers will anyone care you may be able to solve a mystery
0: It is, Kim. You are listening to Unsolved Mysteries Rewind, and I am joined, as always, by the self-described, irresistible Mark.
1: Only when I'm under the influence, Kim. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Legally, under the influence. Um, So, thank you for this wonderful invite.
0: (laughs) I know you said that, like, we are a little stiff on our intro, and you wanted to switch it up, so bam, I just wanted to switch it right up on you.
1: You did it! Mm -hmm. mission accomplished
0: today we are going to be talking later episode actually season 11 episode eight
1: wow this is an episode that's interesting because this makes me think that we've been doing this show for so long when we have not been doing this episode for that long but we're getting yeah we're going back and we're talking about previous cases that um that we jumped into
0: there are two cases on this specific episode that we have covered in other episodes, and we will point it out when we come to them. But the first one is a Bordeaux murder.
1: No, this is season 11, episode 8. I don't think you said that. You might have. I am very oh. off this week, Kim. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think I, I want to say Mercury's in retrograde, but I'm going to save that talk for our mini-sode where we talk about past lives. Yes, um, I'm very <laughs> excited. But I'm feeling very off. Okay. So my head is scattered, but um, you may have said it, but if you did not, it's season 11, episode 8.
0: Thank you. We are going to get through this together, my friend. But we <laughs> take place in Powhatan, Kansas. Uh, it's fun. In 2012, the population of Powhatan, Kansas was 77 people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, uh, oh, you had a baby? God like, oh, changed the sign, 78.
0: Exactly. It's so tiny and it is on the decline. But this story takes place in 1997, November 21st of 1997. It is 1243 in the morning and 28 year old Jodi Bordeaux and her husband, Sean, they kind of live on the edge of this Kickapoo native reservation. Yeah. They've been married for two years. They've been in this house for one year. And for weeks, they started receiving all these very mysterious phone calls where the person would, like, do heavy breathing and then hang up. So one day, Jody thinks that she hears someone outside, but Sean says, ah, it's just a coyote, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing to worry about. He takes then his we... headdress
1: off and goes, just a coyote.
0: I mean, we are dealing with some Native American people, and I apologize for well, any terms we may use. We mean no offense. I think but... Native
1: American is fine, but they um, we learned that Sean is part Lakota Native American. Lakota mm-hmm. is um, a little bit; it's a, it's all very large. Lakota is more of a language that I always thought than a tribe. But um, Lakota is one of the big, 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 middle American um kind of groups. I said it's mm-hmm. a tribe, and. It's they. Sean also works at the Golden Eagle Casino, which is still they around. They
0: actually, they both do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Um. So yeah. So he. It's interesting because that is a Kickapoo Reservation Casino, and he is part Lakota. And Jody is actually completely Caucasian. No Native American in her whatsoever. So they're hired to manage the casino which is run by the Kickapoo tribe. And apparently because of this, there was tension because she is a white woman. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't
1: know that tribe. they could do this. I would, I would imagine. Alright, now of course um, reservations have to abide by the same laws for the most part um, when it comes to the states. But I don't know. I just think um, I would imagine a. There's a reason why reservations exist, and there's a reason why we – um, we I hate saying we allow, but why they are allowed to run casinos and these things that normally wouldn't be able to be done in all states. And, and it would be because they want to employ natives.
0: Right, but I got the impression from a few articles that I read that someone in Sean's family – is affiliated with the Golden Eagle Casino, and for their wedding present, he basically gifted them these two jobs in management at the casino.
1: That's pretty good gift, uh, right? yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So they're kind of transplants here, which is another reason why they're kind of on the outs with the rest of the employees at the casino. So Jody, we find, had several miscarriages. She hired a fertility specialist, and within months, she was pregnant with a baby girl who they had named Jordan Shea Bordeaux.
1: Now, did, I didn't get the impression right away that they were, I guess, wealthy. But if you're going to a fertility specialist and you're, you're trying to go through all of this, this is not cheap. This is not something that's normally covered by regular medical insurance.
0: I mean, we're in 2020 right now. You showed me a house near this place that I was like t- that house. I did, too. It's gorgeous, but it was for $10,000. 10 grand. So, it's in Kansas, Would I go I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, four bedroom, like it was crazy. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that the cost of living is pretty low there and they do have some high up jobs within the casino. So they're probably sitting pretty high on the hog.
1: I just I just can't imagine that they would have a local fertility specialist. If no, I you know if that's to- the case.
0: I think they had to go to the big city, and I'll tell you why in a second, but uh, Jodi ends up getting promoted to staff supervisor, and Jody and Sean seem to think that some of the staff are resentful over her promotion, so one of the employees, I'm sorry to laugh, but this is hilarious, accused her of lying about her grandmother dying because I guess it was like the busiest weekend of the year, and Jodi wasn't there because she went to go to a funeral. But it gave me the, my favorite line in all of Unsolved Mysteries history. No, it's history, not funny. But,
1: is- you know, I, I'm saying you're not laughing because it's funny. You're laughing because the, the pure audacity of somebody saying this with a straight face is insane to me. And, and
0: I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit funny. Like oh, it, I totally through A bad reenactment, you know. But he goes, I heard your grandma died. How convenient. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. It was so bonkers. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? So... She had to report on the how convenient guy who is like a slot tech guy for bad job performance. I guess he was late for work a lot. So he's brought in front of like the tribal council board for review and he was reprimanded for this and eventually fired. Which, so, you know, oh,
1: yeah, and please. that's another thing is I'm kind of curious how the appeal process works. I mean, you're firing a fellow tribes person. Yes. um, not to say that they should be able to get away with anything, but I don't. Know. There's 77 people in the community. It's you know, it's not a huge pool of people to choose from. And I'm going to imagine that they have to hire community members. I, I just don't know what, what the laws are. I couldn't find the the rules. I don't
0: know that. I know that all the rules for the casino go through the tribal council. However, what I do know is that Powhatan had more than 77 people in the nineties. It has been steadily declining. So that's 2010 numbers. But I also know that they said Powhatan was on the edge of the reservation. So I don't think that where they lived was within
1: the reservation. Now, have you ever visited a reservation?
0: I sure have. I've visited casinos.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've gone to casinos and, here on Long Island, we have the uh, Shinnecock Reservation and mm-hmm. where they have a huge powwow and it's been there forever. Um, probably not this year, but we it, it's always when you go there, it is really, really inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't find white people working the booths. You don't find, you know, anybody but natives working the booths. And it's yeah, just kind of interesting for me to to have learned that they did hire this white woman. But yeah, you're right. Like they pull a couple strings and it happens.
0: Yeah, I think they had somebody on the inside, but um right after this guy's fired like a few weeks later compl- a complaint against Jody was brought directly to the tribal council over her head and she ended up losing her job. So, Sean later says that the slot tech guy, the how convenient guy, complained that he was fired for being late when Jody was late every day. And Sean explained that Jody was late because she was meeting with the fertility specialist and would make up like the extra hour later in the day, which you can't do. And maybe you should have been reprimanded for that. But that's what makes me think that she went to an out-of-town fertility specialist.
1: That's true. Like she would need to take the day to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So she spent the next month trying to get her job back. And it sounds like the door wasn't entirely closed. But sadly, she was killed before anything came of it. So Mm. when the news started to spread that the door was possibly open for her to come back is when the anonymous calls that we talked about before started. So
1: that's where things get a little bit cloudy, too, because it doesn't time has gone by. Um, she's been pregnant now for seven months we learn. Mm-hmm. And she hears a sound. Um the, basically what is it? A dog hears a sound or yeah. yeah. The dog kinda wake you know, um alerts them and um they Sean follows the dog outside and Sean hears gunshots and goes back and she's on the floor. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems so convenient like I don't know there's something missing here there's some information there's a lot of information I think missing
0: yes I totally agree and as always Unsolved Mysteries really tries to veer us in one direction but my thought is if it was that direction that you guys think then this probably wouldn't have been an Unsolved Mystery like let's start checking out the box Mm -hmm. Um, so Sean goes over to his seven months pregnant wife and she is shot in the head she is dead there is no saving this woman so he calls nine one one because he's trying to save the baby now.
1: So yeah, it just like kind of I thought was, the whole way they described this part was so weird. Like he kisses the belly and he's thinking, "My poor baby is slowly um, dying." Oh, that was and-
0: hard. He said, "You know, Jody had a quick death, but my baby, who's relying on its mother for mm-hmm. air, for food, for everything, had that slowly taken away from her." And it's like, whoa! And when you add a name. To the baby. Like this was a baby in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seven months.
1: You can, you can deliver at seven months and, and the baby could be, you know, totally fine. That's just a preemie. Yeah.
0: So he, he does kiss the baby bump, you know, and at that moment he says he knew that the baby was dead too. Um, so, no one has been charged with the murder. There's no witnesses. We meet the county attorney who's in charge of a murder investigation. And he says that he thinks it's someone who had like a beef with her at her job. So, basically, it's complicated matters with the police because they're working and living around this reservation. And they say on Unsolved Mysteries that Native Americans are hesitant to talk with non Native police officers. And I know that this is not politically correct, but this is an episode from like 23 years ago. Sure. Uh. Yeah. So since the murder, Sean's moved. Now, just hypothetically speaking, just him talking to Mark.
1: Putting here. on your tinfoil hat that hopefully people have learned about that they can get for free for just leaving us a review.
0: Find us on our Facebook page, and Solve Mysteries Rewind Podcast. What? But
1: free? What?
0: Any chance husband Sean is in on this. I'll tell you why. I'm just saying you always have to look at the husband and you always have to look at the last person to have seen her alive.
1: Also, the actions that that husband takes immediately after.
0: He was conveniently out of the room at the time that it happened. He is the person with the most to gain, if you want to call it that, from killing a pregnant woman is the father of that child who is like not ready for that crazy next step or whatever i mean look scott peterson like people do it all the time uh he abruptly leaves the state goes to south dakota right after the murder which i get i would not want to stay in the same house that my pregnant spouse was married was murdered
1: yeah yeah and it was um at least in a reenactment i kind of got this whole impression of a kind of a dreary existence a little bit
0: yeah it's a reenactment
1: but i mean it's
0: (laughs) i hear you though um and like, they're kind of putting it all on slot tech guy.
1: Yeah, but I didn't catch that so much, Person, no, I mean, I caught it, them pushing it. I just didn't really yeah. buy into it.
0: But he already got his retribution by getting her fired. What right. would he have to gain for murdering a pregnant woman? And I'm not saying he didn't do it. I don't know who did it. And this is months but,
1: and months later. I mean, geez.
0: I'm just, I'm always skeptical when somebody moves right after. Like, you'd think you'd want to be around at least in Kansas, still where you could still talk with investigators and see how the case is going. But he packed up, moved to South Dakota. He's actually now in the House of Representatives.
1: I follow. I read some of the bills that he's supported and put up, and seems to be on paper a pretty hell of a decent guy when it comes to his politics. Um,
0: yeah, he's uh, remarried. He's he's got kids. You know, more kids out there. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I, I don't think we we have an answer here, but I, one thing we didn't learn about, and I did a, a quick search on it, but was there an insurance policy? Was there any type of financial gain at the end of the story? And I cannot find any.
0: I didn't see anything like that. Um, I did see that the kansas bureau of investigations is offering a five thousand dollar reward
1: yeah uh, mm. that seemed i mean all right maybe for adjusted for inflation that that could have been something back in when was this in the 20th century but um... <laughs> well
0: according to the topeka kansas or topeka capital journal online there are at least two other slangs that are tied to the reservation that remain unsolved so just putting all our cards out on the table here
1: yeah, I, I can't help but think, and this is a little bit of a joke, but I'm not making fun of anybody's death, of course. But I keep thinking of um, Parks and Recreation and the reservation that is always on there. And oh my I think God, of so their brilliant. meetings. And um, it, it's a really lighthearted way to show the way reservations deal with um, small towns like Pawnee.
0: Yeah, Ken Wotate, the guy who plays yeah. like the leader, is hilarious. Like, yeah. I love it. And all the murals, like, it's so horrifying.
1: Such a funny but- show. But um, yeah, so if, you, if you need a break, sometimes you need a break from all of these okay. kind of dark mysteries, Kim. And
0: oh, seriously. We Tell need to that. lighten
1: the mood. And sometimes putting on a show like Parks and Recreation or, in my case, like The Office or Always Sunny in Philadelphia. These are shows, you know, just kind of it's a nice way to snap into just sometimes dark humor where you can just laugh and um, feel goofy. And,
0: and something that is a little bit lighter is this next story that we're going to talk about this. There's no death know anything you know a little you know like, your wallet might be a little lighter but it is a music, bit of a lighter story the
1: music that comes out of it is pretty tragic though in my opinion
0: oh my gosh did I you see, watch I the see. music video yeah did i, I see, watch I it see. <laughs> <Of course> I,
1: <laughs> I loved it
0: yeah it was pretty great but uh, we are in a quote poor working class hispanic neighborhood which is in north hollywood but this scam actually took place all over southern california so these new music schools are opening up with low-cost lessons.
1: What year was this taking place? This, they,
0: they didn't say.
1: It's just, all right, poor working-class Hispanic neighborhoods do not always translate to having large credit lines. So that's all. I'm just, like, putting it out there as it's kind of strange. Those two things usually don't correlate with each other.
0: I can see, I can, I can understand where you're I coming think, from. I
1: think working class anywhere for the most. Exactly. Part. Um, but I mean, especially, um, you know, North Hollywood, of course, um, mm-hmm. and I do. And we're talking about areas that really don't rely very often on things like credit. Even now they deal with money in pocket. And, exactly. Like, Cash got, on the barrel. Yeah. And like paycheck to paycheck. Um, and that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying it's, um, I'm going to guess that these type of things were definitely trying to get people who had a little bit of money because some of these credit, some of the scams went very, very high. Right.
0: And, you know, even something so much as like $32 a week, which we'll get into, is a lot if you don't have an expendable income, sure. you know. Absolutely. Um, so these schools are owned by Mario Eunice and Omar Arroyo, and they hired these top notch music teachers to help. Each student's the accordion. So Mario is a former studio mu- musician and Omar is a used car salesman slash aspiring salsa singer. And you Genius. can look him up. It is
1: Asi Asi Yeah, we'll put the YouTube. link to it in the show notes. Um, although I can't, the, he, I found a channel that is named mm. after him
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he might be doing more hip hop stuff now. So, oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll share with you later because I can't tell if it's the same guy and he just gained a few pounds.
0: OK, well, look into that. But they um basically said, like, the kids who do well will win a quote unquote scholarship to learn to play the piano, the organ and the accordion.
1: The accordion. Oh. I mean, um, I, I've played the accordion. You know, accordions are mm. actually a very difficult instrument to play. It's just it's not usually the instrument that you lean towards to learn for a child. It's not that mm-hmm. cool, you know.
0: <laughs> totally, no, it's, it's very dorky. Uh, no offense if, for all our accordion players out there, but the parents would pay for the three years and buy the accordion, and in return, they would get music lessons and field trips to Disneyland for Which, whatever that's reason. That's pretty
1: cool. I mean, um, and just real quick, you know, my son went to a martial arts type of thing, and this is kind of the scam that all of them use. I, I say scam, but this is the the method of getting you to get tied in where the price is like you know affordable at first and so it's going up and up and up and you want to be in the ninja club and you want to be in this thing now you can use weapons and all of a sudden they will eventually say hey all you have to do is make a three-year commitment pay up front and blah 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 and i'm thinking you know it's very difficult to make a three-year commitment for two main reasons with a kid one you have no interest this kid's not gonna have much of an interest in 18 months in the Mm -hmm. same thing and two they're looking at, I mean, I, for my situation, it was about seven grand to lay out, and that's a lot oh of money. Oh my
0: god, yeah! yeah.
1: So, uh, <laughs> I think I bought my kid off. I was like, How about this? <laughs> How about I just buy you some for 300 bucks?
0: How about I just <laughs> buy you some weapons so you practice at home?
1: Exactly, like when I did when I was a kid, you know, you get a pair of nunchucks, you hit yourself in the head, you put them in the drawer, and you don't ever see them again.
0: Exactly. You can go on. No, but essentially this scam is that they would call parents and say, your kid just won the chance for these free music lessons. They're yes. like, okay, great. So they take their kid. They give free music lessons for a while before saying like, your kid is so
1: good. So at good. Accordion. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need to take permanent music classes. So they're like, oh, okay, every parent's good.
1: dream. I'm not going to lie. Every parent wants to hear like he has a gift or she has a gift, yeah. and um and they do you know what I mean like it's they're learning, they're getting better, and um for them, probably the most part, this stuff is legit, but yeah, in this situation, not legit,
0: and I have to say, I said in our notes, this is basically the plot to music man with a few obvious yeah. differences that we'll get to later, but this is so close to the plot for music man, so the parents are like, oh my God like." You're so good, honey. We're going to we're going to pay for lessons and for the instrument, but we can do so via financing. So you're only charged like 32 bucks a week, a month, whatever it was. So they give the guys their credit card numbers, and now that they got the credit card numbers, they charge these huge towns like Lock or huge bills, Skip Town, Lock the Door, they are never coming back.
1: Right. I mean, that's the thing. For 30 bucks or something, you could say, "All right, well, you know what? I canceled. You overbilled me a month. I can get, you know, you just kind of let it go." But some of these people, they were just like, all right, you know what, we're going to do the eighteen hundred bucks up front. You get this mm-hmm. cheap accordion that's probably only a couple hundred bucks.
0: And exactly.
1: and you know, you're kind of stuck with it. You know, it's like, what do you do? Because you've also probably signed a contract that has a mm-hmm. stipulation in there to do this. So but maybe not. I, I don't these these contracts are also very, very convoluted sometimes. But some parents yeah. were charged up to nearly
0: $40,000. $40,000 on their credit card for stuff that went towards, like, financing their music careers. In at least right. 1990s
1: money, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of credit line in Wisconsin. But Boston. something
0: that's even more messed up is that because they had the kids' socials on the applications to the music yeah. schools, they would open up credit cards in the kids' names charge them and then just screw these kids over and they have bad credit for the rest of their And life.
1: that's the big scam. I think that's the big, yeah. you know, getting, you know, basically doing, um, what is it called? We, you, you, um, identity theft where you exactly. just, you, you can take out mortgages on people. If you have enough information, it's really, Ugh. really crazy, especially at this period of time. I'm going to guess, let's say at the very least nineties, not, there wasn't so much cross referencing and double checking, yeah. you know, especially at a period of time when, mortgages were really being handed out at high interest rates. Probably exactly. it was very easy to get these yeah. type of loans. They actu-
0: according to the police, they made $1.5 million in a year and they had over 200 victims. Um, so the parents find out that the school's opening in a new location. So they're like, we're going to confront them. So they go with a news crew to go try and confront the men. And the manager like called the cops and had everybody escorted off of the property. So we meet Detective Baeo, who is with the Financial Crimes Division, which is kind of fun. I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm. Um, they just, he discovers that they've been doing this scam all over town. And as we said before, Omar spent some of the money to make a Salsa CD called Asi Asi, under the name Luis Omar.
1: But now, this isn't, I mean, at this point, you're like, all right, well, you know what? Let's see what the update is. But the mm-hmm. weirdness, and not the weirdness, but the the drama has only yes. begun. For this story,
0: exactly. So Mario, the other partner, is now Delia Leone. Mario had taken over thirty thousand dollars from one of the kid's parents' credit card bills and had undergone gender reassignment surgery in San Francisco.
1: Now, when you have this kind of money, of course, you're probably throwing around some serious cash for this gender reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm, I'd say. He's like. I mean, I'm. I'm assuming it's um, plural. I mean, you can't just have one.
0: Yeah, I I think so. And hormones and, you know, who knows? There's a lot going on. But now the two become lovers and they move into this, like, amazing house. And they said now that Mario is Delia, the two become lovers. But, I mean, who knows that that wasn't going on before.
1: Yeah. Um, I I felt very sad about this when they said that they had brought in kids from a former relationship from Puerto Rico um, Mm -hmm. so that they could. And I think they did use the words, just like you wrote here. So they could look like one big happy family.
0: Exactly. That that just
1: depressed me a bit because it's like you're really using these kids as pawns and you're using them for the moment. And they're really, they're really expendable. And they're probably going to be going back to Puerto Rico pretty soon.
0: Yeah. These two people are users a hundred percent. And I felt sad about that too, but I would be lying if I said that I wasn't distracted by Delia's pants in that scene because I would wear that outfit head to toe. It was like (laughs) golden girl chic, like... Just a fabulous lounge by the pool with your scummy husband. I have
1: to go back. I, okay. I was um I think I was looking at the pool itself and I was just like, Oh man.
0: Wish it was I a could... nice house. I wish
1: I had no morals and I could just scam people. <laughs>
0: Jeez. You know what? There's always hope. You're only forty seven. Yeah. So a new office assistant decided to go to the police because of all the complaints from the parents and it was just getting crazy. So Detective Vallejo goes on a stakeout to identify the suspects, and a few days later, oh, in 2001, here we go, here's the time, police raided the home. One month so, after
1: 9-11, it's like, yeah, you guys are, like, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here in New York and everything. It's like, we're going to raid the house. It just, I know. for me, the mentality of the bust has to be kind of weird, you know, and plus, I don't know, it just, it's kind of weird to me.
0: Bigger fish to fry. But Delia attempted to escape but was apprehended actually along with a man who we don't know yet or we don't know through Unsolved Mysteries who is also involved in the swindle named Juan Manuel Roca. And I would like to give the MVP reenactor award to Delia. She Uh, is amazing. And I thought that they handled the trans issue very respectfully for, you know, 2001. We've seen them
1: handle it a lot less sensitively. And, with a
0: uh, Cam Lyman, yeah, yeah,
1: like, um, like people would just laugh at her, and that's what, <laughs> you know, exactly. So yeah, I think that we see a little bit of maturity here with Unsolved Mysteries, and this was, um, we don't have an exact date on this episode, but it's at least twenty years ago.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. This episode was pulled stories all over the place, just enough to fit them into an hour. So Uh, we learned that Omar had actually left to Puerto Rico the night before of all the luck in the world to go do a promotional tour for his uh, uh, CSE CD.
1: It's a
0: good song. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to have it in my head all day. But we do get an update. Um, on August 30th, 2003, Omar was arrested running a music school in Costa Rica using the name Mario Yunus, which was the name of Delia Leon before Mario became Delia. So Omar was arrested, set, extradited, sentenced to six years for fraud. It's now, crazy Delia... to me
1: because they got away with this for years. Oh, yeah. And they were somehow able to launder the money into things like buying a house and um spending money in general it's there there's so much more to the story that we never learn
0: yeah definitely oh yeah i found a few articles just from like the press releases when uh from the county of la or whatever Mm -hmm. um but we do learn that delia who has since changed her name to marylene Eunice, took a plea and was sentenced to 12 years so delia actually got double the time and i'm just guessing that that was probably because she took a plea um So he had more wiggle room, you know, with not taking a plea. And that's probably why he, Omar, only got six years. I was blown away
1: by the information they found, which is um, they were charged with 146 felony counts.
0: mm -hmm, Yep. We had grand theft, identity theft, forgery, perjury, credit card fraud, and false credit applications. Um, So that was... A very entertaining and, you know, like we said, a little more lighthearted, no murder. Definitely had people being used, though.
1: Yeah, and we do get to follow his music career. Because um, if it is, in fact, him, he's putting out videos up until just a few months ago.
0: And thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) Our first, like, (laughs) we get our first callback to an episode of Unsolved Mysteries Rewind. This Uh, is
1: more of a glaring over. um, Yeah. The Balcony Death. The the mysterious balcony death that involved... Um...
0: Sandra Oriano and Robert Salazar. Oh, my gosh. I just pulled those from the top of my head. Did
1: you really? Because I yes, could I not did. remember them at all. Yes,
0: yeah, so I apologize if I mess up. I'm pretty sure it's right. But we go into so much deeper detail on Unsolved Mysteries Rewind Episode 20. And we cover all the updates and more. We even have like a 2020 update on this guy.
1: You need to Um, rewind this episode well, this podcast and go back mm -hmm. a few episodes, right? This is
0: what you did there. This is
1: episode 27. So you just have to go seven episodes back.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we covered it. I think we did it more justice than this little update did it. But uh, yeah, you know, he just, it basically told us that he was found not guilty. Yeah, Um, And
1: and your opinion is uh, the goatee adds a lot. Um, Ooh. it, it covers up something that we don't yes. want to see.
0: <laughs> I was never more creeped out. I thought he looked, and this is not professional. This is just my opinion. I thought he looked rapier without <laughs> the that? goatee. Like I, I would not go to that guy's hotel room. Like he creeped me out.
1: No, um, Jack doesn't have facial hair, right? Yo, he does. <laughs> uh, why am I thinking he doesn't have facial hair?
0: I don't know Yeah, No, I have goatee, facial though.
1: hair. Now, Whenever I am going to shave, because I, I let my beard grow like crazy sometimes, mm. and whenever I do it, um, there have been a few times where I go completely clean shaven, and my mm. wife is like, Ugh! you know, it's like she <laughs> hates it. and she's like, "Oh God, you're so ugly," you know, that type of thing. <laughs> she doesn't mean it, but it's like you know, people it's, look like it's a different jarring. person. And she yeah. she goes, "You look 12, you know, and this whole stupid thing, and um. <laughs> I, it's just one of those kind of weird things. And she's like, you have a weird freckle. And so <laughs> <laughs> seriously, she's relentless. So, yeah, when people shave, they look like completely different people or vice versa, you know, when they have a beard or. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny. Um, I, I think the, I've seen a lot of photos of Jack, at least almost clean shaven. I don't know. I have to go and yeah, look at he- pictures of your husband.
0: <laughs> after this. Oh, that's why Jack, those if are you're on listening, I'm
1: only going to look a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah he can pull it off either way he switches it up a lot he'll have yeah. longer hair and no beard he's like just mix and match whatever whichever way the wind blows so
1: but i think it's uh, like glasses sometimes it's just one of those things where um people look like different people when they interchange these little things that we don't really put too much thought into
0: yeah totally but oh so. get all your laughs out now because we are about to get bummed out yeah this uh, is
1: pretty interesting too because we get a little bit of a history of something that's in effect um currently. Not, not this moment, but it's currently being used by the police.
0: I disagree, but I know what you're talking about. So we'll get to it. But we are talking about Amber Swartz Garcia. Now, I got a lot of this from the book Stalemate, which we talk about on the episode of Unsolved Mysteries. But there's also an article by Lori Pruitt from NBC San Diego. Now, we cover actually a lot of these victims and suspects in Unsolved Mysteries Rewind Episode 11. And I'm yeah. not shamelessly plugging it, but we really do go down that rabbit hole. The only thing is because I didn't want us to like get sued, whatever. We didn't give this guy's last name, Mm -hmm. but since they did on unsolved mysteries, you can bet we're going to talk about him today. Sure. Um, So we're in Pinole, California. It is Friday, June 3rd, 1988. And Kim Schwartz is making dinner when little seven year old Amber asks if she can go play jump rope outside.
1: And I love this reenactor. I I know I put a little screenshot of her face, but if you got to look When it's like, no, I don't want you jump roping outside or something. And she's like, please. And she makes this like funny duck face, like mad face. And it's just like, it's so good that I didn't have a daughter because I would just fall for it every time.
0: (laughs) And I have to say that she looks a lot like Amber.
1: Yes, completely.
0: They picked a good one. So they had had friends coming by soon. I guess one of the friends just had a baby. And so Amber was just going to play outside until the friends got there. The friends were like 5, 10, 15 minutes away. So the friends get to the house and they're, and the little girl's like, where's Amber? Where's Amber? And Kim's like, "Uh, you should have seen her because she was jumping rope outside. And the friend and the friend's daughter are like, no, she isn't. We did not see her on our way in. So Kim's like, yeah, she is. Maybe she's in the vacant lot. Go look for Amber in the vacant lot. <laughs> um, so the little girl runs and it's like. Amber isn't out there. So Kim is like full panic. She runs outside like, Amber, where are you?
1: Oh, heart wrenching. Yeah. The whole thing is, um, you know, it's like when you lose anything, I mean, probably even as a kid, you remember being the kid who gets lost briefly and it's like, I don't know mm. where I am. Um, mm-hmm. And time goes by. You just they, She starts calling neighbors to see if anybody's seen her. Um, no one. And um, sadly, you know, nobody ever sees Amber again.
0: Yeah, and this is not the first tragedy in Kim's life. Her husband and Amber's father, who was Officer Floyd Bernie Swartz, was a police officer who was killed in the line of duty by this parolee murderer guy who was like tripped out on LSD. His name is James Richard Odell, and he was killed when she was pregnant with Amber and she was only 28 at the time.
1: Now, the Garcia name, I was curious where that came from. Me too. um, So afterward, um, Kim had um, started dating Al Garcia. Oh, okay. I I think they got married. I'm not 100% sure if they got married, but um, I believe he adopted Amber.
0: Thank you for that info. I did not find that. And I was curious, too, because I assumed Floyd was Garcia. So I was surprised to see the hyphen.
1: Floyd Swartz, that's a Jewish name. There's no Garcia in that. Mm -hmm. Bernie (laughs) was his nickname. I mean, it's, you know... Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very tragic. I'm also going to be curious out here where, when, um, when the officer was killed in the line of duty, I would imagine yeah. that she would be getting some type of fun. You know, you, you would, would receive his so. pension. Yeah. And which is, um, later on, you bring up a certain question that they ask about the, um, Being at the SSI office, you know, when FBI agents are questioning Kim, Mm, and I'm kind of curious about that. Like, what was that about? And, um, I mean, it could also be Unsolved Mysteries banter. It, It might not have been legitimate.
0: Interesting. Well, I do just want to, before we put a pin in, in Floyd, Bernie, I want to say that James Richard Odle is currently on death row in San Quentin for the murder. So um, the next day after Amber disappears, a pair of pink socks are found in a park nearby, yeah. and they know that those socks were not there the previous night because they searched it. And Amber's mom says, those were the socks. You know, I put yeah. Amber and I dressed her. What do you
1: think of that? I mean, I, I put a little note here just because... Do you think like, all right, well, they didn't find any evidence and maybe I'll put something out there. It's kind of a sick game.
0: I mean, we have some sick people in this episode that we are going to talk about, like in this little story. I could see it being like a very tasteless prank. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't
1: heard tasteless pranks. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't actually necessarily think that they were Ambers. Mhm. Um, I'm sure that probably the police were like, we're going to put an OPB out, you know, for a little girl. She was wearing this, this pink socks. And somebody was like, hey, you don't know, right. need to mess with the police like like teenager stupid stuff.
1: Right. Kind of like those letters that we um, we uncovered. Somebody was writing letters to the family of. Um, oh, somebody yeah. Letters. I forget their name. The Canadian Tanya people. Kulamborg. Oh, my God. The memory. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. They
0: just haunt me. Yeah. Jay Wood, I think. I think was about her, that all the time. I don't
1: know why that particular story really, really um, has affected me.
0: Because it's cruel. Yeah. In in addition to the cruelness already, they like take it up a notch. I totally agree with you. But um, like you were saying before, FBI agents come in and they ask Kim, the mom, if she and Amber had been to the SSI office recently or if they had received anything in the mail from someone they didn't know. Um, had Amber come home with anything she couldn't explain? Had Kim received phone calls from anyone she didn't know? And Kim's like, these are so specific that they have to have somebody in mind. Like, why are they asking me these questions? Um. So, three days after Amber is abducted, Kim was visited by Timothy Binder, and this is the guy the who we talk about.
1: Creep me out so much.
0: Oh yeah, the real guy is so creepy. It was like like the free
1: candy van, you know. Yeah. You pulled up the information. I don't. I don't know if this is in the unsolved mysteries. His vanity plate on his um, automobile. Yeah, I think it
0: was. Um, So, and I and I've heard it before that his because we did cover him in episode eleven of Unsolved Mysteries Rewind. But Kim says that Timothy looked like he'd been up all night, and he kept saying like, "I want to save Amber. I want to bring her home to you." Yeah, and he had actually said to her, too, which isn't in the Unsolved Mysteries, I want to be the one who brings her body home. And Kim's like, body? Like, we don't know she's dead yet. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I just want to be her hero. So he is so creepy. He had the vanity tags, love you, on his creeper white free candy van. You know, like you said, white windowless. And it is covered with Amber's missing persons posters. And they used Amber's actual missing person like the actual amber Swartz, not reenactment amber
1: yeah so kim says he starts like crying yeah no i was just um i'm kind of amazed that they did that um that they wouldn't they actually made up the missing posters
0: yeah no it felt odd it felt like weird that they used the real ones so kim says like he starts bawling he is so emotional and she is so uncomfortable with this and we learn a little bit later this guy called John Phelpin, He is a trained psychologist and he wrote Stalemate, a shocking true story of child abduction and murder. He spent over a thousand hours allegedly with Timothy Bindner. And he wrote this book all about Bindner and the investigation into a bunch of missing girls in California in the late eighties. So he they're talking and he, John's Burris, who is Bendner's attorney. is like nothing to see here, just a really good guy.
1: Yeah, I didn't get a great feeling from John Burris, so I did a Mm -hmm. quick little search, and um, it's crazy. He has kind of a big history. He was the attorney who represented Rodney King in his civil rights lawsuit against uh, um, the LAPD. um, Oh, that's big. And won him nearly $4 million in 1994. Wow. He also represented Barry Bonds in something. I don't know what that was all about. And a side note, he he defended a six-year-old Boy accused of murdering an infant in um, 1996 oh, God. named, God. Um, I guess it's a, um, to protect his identity, Brandon T. I'll put a link to what I found. It's like a wow. Wikipedia entry. But yeah. yeah, like that. that's pretty big. You know, John Burris is a pretty high level attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get this impression from him on Unsolved Mysteries.
0: No, he was like. I felt like he didn't even believe what he was saying about Timothy Bindner. Um, So Tim had this disgusting, crazy interest in the grave of five-year-old Angela Bougay, who again, we covered this before, but she was sexually assaulted and strangled by her stepfather. He would visit her grave 90 times per year, up to 90 times per year because he was under surveillance. I mean, so the like officer saw
1: this. Oh yeah. Doing the math. I realize it's, to, at the very least four times a week every week of four years and he
0: he lived pretty close to it we will set we will put on the facebook page like this map of where he lived versus where all these disappearances took place and the grave site. he lived pretty close to it but and and you know i like going to cemeteries i yes. do the find a grave photo stuff i enjoy being around cemeteries. I don't go to the same one of a little girl who's been raped and murdered 90 times a year. Like that is crazy.
1: If anything, if you were to do something like that, it would be, be to pay tribute once, you know, it's not exactly it's where it ends. Like you don't need to continuously return to this, you know, really (sighs) sad. I mean, even if you are um, emotionally connected to trying to find who, who killed this person, um, you don't need to continuously return. I mean, you need psychological help, basically.
0: I wouldn't visit my family member's grave ninety times in one year. Like yes. that's a lot.
1: Yeah, me either. Um,
0: um but you know,
1: we're awful people. <laughs> we are. We're not the best people in the world, Kim. <laughs> we're trying, though. We're trying.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. But um, a bloodhound actually tracked little Amber scent to Angela's gravesite and in Bindner's van. And the same thing actually happened with Michaela Garrick. And this is where our episode 11 comes in. So two months after Michaela Garrick disappeared, you know, the little girl on the scooter and the guy put the scooter behind, um, 13-year-old Eileen Misselhoff is abducted and Timothy Bindner was largely thought to be a suspect, but he still, quote-unquote, helped search for Eileen. Now, We're going to ratchet up the creepy here. A few years later, a mother named Liz reported to the police that her 12-year-old daughter, Sheila, started receiving letters from a man who she didn't know, who turned out to be Timothy Bintner. He saw her at a baseball game and was like, Sheila, like, my love, basically, and started stalking her.
1: Now, what year is this?
0: Oh God. I don't know. About. Sorry. I, mean, I don't is know. Is the eighties? Like
1: 88.
0: Yeah. I think
1: I mean, around right, there. You take the comparison of reaching out to a child uh, physically. I mean, you didn't have many options in 1988 if you wanted to, you know, reach out to somebody and write a letter and communicate with them. Right. I mean, what could you do? Hmm. You could yeah. call them, you could write them a letter and it's, almost that's about it. Maybe you could run into them coming out of school. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Nowadays, oh. you know, things are so explosive and, there's, you know, um, TikTok and um, Instagram and all of these things that children are on. And that's why I think sometimes this stuff is probably happening so much more. And I don't. Um, oh, yeah. It just it really creeps me out that it's happening this. Be- it's so blunt back then. I can only imagine the comparison nowadays.
0: I Yeah. He. Like, had to find her name, find her address, and start sending her all this stuff. So the first letter is creepy. I'm not going to read it in its entirety for the interest of time. But he sends her, like, a quote-unquote Indian penny and a peace-type silver dollar. Now, the second letter, I would like to read most of it because it is so gross. It made my skin crawl. Yeah. Okay. Here's the second letter. Dear Sheila. Oh, oh, did I already mention that they're written completely backwards That's so that you have to... That's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. He's like, you have to hold this in a mirror to look at it. Like, so the mom wouldn't figure it out or something. So he would write this little girl backwards letters. So he said, Dear Sheila, you can read this if you stand on your head and climb through the mirror. That would be a good way to begin the day, don't you think? The peace dollar was a hope and the Indian penny is always a wish for good luck. If you or your parents want to ask me anything, please write like this. Otherwise, I might have to stand on my head and climb through the mirror to read it. I dare not send you a hug or a kiss. So instead, I send you one-third of a hug, two-millionths of a kiss, and 13 dodecilian dreams. Your friend, Tim. Idiot. Ugh, it's so creepy. It's... Oh, he would... There were many letters he would send her. Love poems, all this kind of stuff. And he would send her letters that were like... I would never hurt a child. I only wanted to be your friend. Why Why are your parents so angry with me? Like, oh, it's so
1: creepy. There is so much wrong about this guy. And um, he just gives me the complete um, douche chills.
0: Yeah, and I was listening to episode 11 earlier today because I just wanted to see what we had already said about it. But you were saying it. Dead on. Like, if you saw this guy, he would run in the other direction, basically. I don't know if you remember, he was coming out of a jury trial because he lied about who he was, and he had, like, a library book in his hand, and you were trying to figure out what library book that
1: was. I don't remember that, no. (laughs)
0: Well, (laughs) in December 27th of 1991, a little bit of time has passed. This is a few blocks away from where all the Sheila letters were received. Another young girl, four-year-old Amanda Nikki Campbell, disappeared.
1: Another sad reenactment.
0: Of a little girl just riding her bicycle and then, like, fading into oblivion. Oh, it was the, so sad. And the
1: brother was just like, eh, I don't care where you're going.
0: I know. Well, which, which is pretty accurate. It I mean, is accurate. It like, was
1: just like, that kid's got to have some serious guilt.
0: Oh, I can't imagine. It two I days after
1: imagine. Christmas and a few days before New Year's.
0: They said, like, she was last seen wearing her little Santa Claus earrings oh, and all this. I know. So heartbreaking. So, four days after little Nikki disappears, her scent is actually found on or near the grave of five-year-old Angela Bouguet, the grave that he is, like, obsessed with. So, police have a search warrant. They search his house. They find nothing.
1: Let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. Do you think that they thought, let's bring the dog to the grave to see, because we know this, you know, this lunatic is visiting here constantly.
0: Mm -hmm. Do
1: you think that maybe he'll, you know, his scent will be picked up there, you know, and and therefore her scent.
0: It's totally possible. I know with um, Amber that her scent was found in his van and on the grave. So I could, are you saying like maybe their scent transfers to him and his I'm goes saying, to the grave? Do you
1: think like they're thinking, no, the, do you think that they are they're like, we have to check out this guy? so he's visiting here all the time let's check out the grave and they did pick up a scent because it's not like the dog thought you know it's not like a trail led to the grave it seems
0: right yeah true true and they knew that he has this like crazy obsession with this place so why don't we bring the dogs in and check it out but i can't imagine how hard it would be for a dog when you are surrounded by the smell of like Death and decomposition it's
1: six feet under though i I don't yeah it,
0: but a dog knows though you, think? you know okay. those are so powerful,
1: yeah, I mean um and yeah i don't I don't know in, uh, much about corpse um sniffing dogs, but I mean I do I can imagine that there are yeah, probably, and there's a ton of different unique smells there from all types of different yeah. people
0: and I know that Robert stack does tell us through Unsolved mysteries that. Uh, Bloodhound evidence is not the most mm-hmm. like relied upon in trial in California, but Timothy Bintner has the cojones to file a $25 million defamation of character suit against the city for basically saying he's a suspect in this, which is such a slippery slope. Where does it end? It paid for, off, I, I mean, yeah, they paid off $90,000 they settled out of court. So not the $25 million he was hoping for, but I'm sure that they were just hoping to like get this guy to just shut up. Um, so Timothy, of course, turned down Unsolved Mysteries' request for an interview. If you guys want to read that stalemate book, a lot of it is on Google Books for free. Like half of the book is for free. I got a good way to do it, but I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I don't want to spend any more time with this guy in my brain. Like it was so bad. Do you so- really
1: think that a thousand hours of research was put into that book?
0: No, that's such BS. That's a thousand hours that they spent together, which is 42 straight days together.
1: Maybe it was at Disneyland or something.
0: Oh, my God. With all the kids from the music school on their field trip. so uh, much weirdness. Yeah. So during an interview with the FBI, convicted child killer Curtis Dean Anderson confessed to abducting and murdering Amber. But he dies 30 days later in prison. Uh, he was in jail for the rape and murder of seven-year-old Ziana Fairchild, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. In 1999, when he confessed to Amber's killing, but he also confessed to a ton of stuff that it's, you know, not super likely that he committed. A lot of these guys are like, "Oh, that's super high-profile case. Yeah, I did that."
1: Right. So maybe someone his... will write a book about me, type of thing
0: exactly and it just pisses me off because he was sentenced in 2005 for Ziana's murder and he dies in 2007 so he had almost no punishment for his crimes and here's his story if you guys wanted to be skeeved out just a little bit more he says he he's a cab driver and he's like driving to his aunt's house in arizona he got quote-unquote lonely so he pulled off the highway to quote-unquote get some company He sees little Amber playing jump rope in her front yard and grabs her and throws her into the vehicle. He drugged her with root beer schnapps, took her to a motel room. Thankfully it doesn't get specific here, but he is a known child molester and rapist. He says he killed her in the motel, stuffed her body into the trunk of his car and tried to cross the border into Mexico, which is like an eight hour trip from Pinole, California. He was denied crossing at the border because he was so drunk so he's like, okay, so he drove off to his aunt's house in Benson, Arizona, and he dumped Amber's body off of Highway 10. Are
1: we to um, believe that you can go to the border drunk and not be incarcerated?
0: I know. And then they'll send you on your merry way. They're like, we don't want your drink you ass in Mexico. In, go to Arizona. Yeah.
1: yeah it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I have a hard time believing that. Maybe in the 60s or the 50s, but yeah. this is the 90s, I think.
0: Yeah, this is 88. Oh,
1: um, nearly the 90s. And (laughs) yeah,
0: no, yeah, no disrespect. I just, (laughs) no. I know I'm kidding,
1: but I mean, it's, um, I don't know. It it just doesn't seem so believable to me personally.
0: Yeah. And, um, unsolved mystery says the case is still open, but that's actually not true. I read this, that article that I was talking about earlier. They said that authorities admit that they have no physical evidence that links Anderson to the disappearance, but they have concluded that the information Anderson told the FBI while in prison as well as further circumstantial evidence gathered since, proves beyond a reasonable doubt that he is her killer. Kim Swartz says she wished she had some piece of physical evidence that could prove Anderson's confession is true. And if you want your heart to break, she also said, we hoped that we would at least have something that we could bury with her father.
1: So Bummer. It is such a tragic situation.
0: Yeah, and you know, Kim is out there doing her best to, Like, she has a a foundation for her, for Amber. She helps other parents of missing children. And if I can, what I think you were going to say was that this is the Amber for Amber Alert.
1: Yeah, I thought it was. It's not?
0: Different Amber. When I first watched this, I thought that this was the Amber Alert Amber. So I Googled Amber Alert because I was surprised that they didn't mention it in this. And it's a completely different Amber.
1: Oh, wow. That's even worse
0: yeah you know, I know no there is another... no shortage of child abduction. It's horrible,
1: yeah the more I look into it, the more i um the more I find and um you know one of the rabbit holes I'm kind of going through right now, I think I shared this with you is this um this like kind of justice warrior thing going on on YouTube where people are oh, yeah. tricking people into meeting them and then confronting them on camera and then posting the videos. I don't know it's the legality like
0: of all of that. But. Rogue to catch a
1: predator. Yeah, and some of these, pe- some of these people are ridiculous. You know, some of the people who are doing it, it's like you're kind of entrapment. I mean, I'm just saying oh, they're yeah. not covering their asses all the time. But um, yeah. the bottom line is, they they are uncovering a lot of these people who I'm hoping that kind of maybe are learning a lesson. And um, I, I think we're very close to somebody committing suicide, though, because oh, um, I know. We're getting. We see videos that are getting like two hundred thousand views in a day, and this is you know somebody's yeah. face out there. So anyway, if you if you watch those type of things, um, they are entertaining. But they. I don't know if it's entertainment. You know, I don't know if it's well, appropriate for entertainment.
0: I hear you. No, that was so profound what you just said. I totally hear you. Yeah,
1: I can't look away, and I won't. It's just. Um... <laughs> I won't. <laughs> and I won't. I'm sorry. I'm not a great person. Okay.
0: No, it's fine but you know what speaking of not great people this <laughs> let me just take a story... sip of my shake
1: my yeah wife i
0: know funny. oh my god is... <laughs> this god too soon too soon this one actually like keeps unraveling when you think you're at the end of the story you're not at the end but we have like veteran good guy gilbert ortiz he moves with his wife elizabeth and his son jonathan to redwood city california you, and they do you yeah. know
1: redwood city california?
0: No, not oh, okay. especially. Yeah, me
1: either. I I was just curious
0: where it was. No, not especially. I grew up in southern california. My grandparents lived in northern, so I spent a lot of time up there in like Sonora and all that kind of gotcha. stuff. But uh Gilbert and Elizabeth used to fight all the time. And sorry, I got a lot of this information from sfgate.com and the unsolved mysteries wiki, but he gets this promotion at work. He works at Toys R Us. I've always wanted
1: to work at Toys R Us. I'm not going to lie.
0: Oh, uh, my mom did for like a Christmas season yeah. when uh we were like broke and it was like hell and they would just play like the same Christmas music over oh, and over wow. again. She had to stock all this toys like the midnight shift. I remember it not being great.
1: Uh, as a somebody who used to collect a lot of toys, I really wanted to work there to get the uh you know, inside oh. scoop. But um yeah, it never happened for me. Another gone, yeah. so whatever. Um
0: <laughs> I know, but everything is looking uh Gilbert like Everything's going great, but within a week, he is in hospitalized with cardiac arrest, kidney failure, and pneumonia. He actually la- lapsed in and out of consciousness for two weeks, and he was in a coma for 10 straight days. So he tells the doctors that he thinks he might have been poisoned. He's trying to, like, get himself all sexy for his wife, Elizabeth, because he is like a beanpole, scrawny little dude, but you know? didn't Elizabeth
1: and- allude to him being too scrawny? Yeah, yeah, what and we said this guy like, for? I mean, you, you know what you were getting into. <laughs> we're all adults. I like,
0: I know it's messed up. It is.
1: I, I just think it's kind of messed up. But maybe you know. So yeah, she made him this bodybuilding drink and gave it to him. We think. Yeah, and it's
0: not something I would ever say to another human being that I like. You're not hot enough for me, but it is hard to be the woman and to be like bigger than your dude. Like that is not a cute look as a woman. Right, you right. always feel that. Uh, but I would never tell somebody like you're not sexy enough. So, um, he yeah. So she gives him this energy drink. He's like, I was trying to get like bulked up for her, but I couldn't put on the weight. So she gave him like a an amino acid drink, not an energy drink. And she gives it to him with like some McDonald's lunch. She dropped it by, but for some reason, the shake is in like a like a sports water bottle.
1: That's why I thought it was a um a sports drink.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I thought this episode was called Poison Snake for a long time and I was like, Where's the snake? Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> you waiting for a no. snake to pop out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just a shake. So Gilbert says he drank it and it started burning his throat, so he gets sick immediately and just starts convulsing. So an ambulance comes, ships him off to the hospital. And for some reason, when the EMT was like, who gave you the shake? Who gave you the shake? He said, oh, a friend. I don't even know. You yeah, know, he know. didn't what, say his
1: wife. Weird. The whole thing is. And she even didn't act as though she was involved in it.
0: Yeah. So she meets him at the ER. And they said that they thought they knew that something was in the sports drink that Elizabeth gave him to drink. So she's like, what? I've never seen that cut before. I don't know where he got that from. Now. While in the waiting room with Gilbert's sister, Brenda, Elizabeth receives a, quote, strange call wherein a masked man claims that he has her son, Jonathan. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. Like, he has my son. He's going to kill him. So Brenda calls Elizabeth's mom to tell her that the baby is kidnapped. And the mom's like, no, that's not true. Jonathan's with me right now. So we know that Elizabeth is a liar. And we also learn that there is an insecticide ortho seven in the cup. So Elizabeth,
1: what is ortho
0: seven? It's like an insecticide. I think that you put on like your grass cracks and stuff like that. I think.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm looking it up real quick. I'm just kind of curious what's
0: in it. It's all. I mean, it'll apparently mess you up. If like a sip will kill you. So um, Elizabeth goes up to a nurse and she tells the nurse that she is like walking in the parking lot to the hospital. And this little boy is like, come with me. Come with me. So he takes her to a car with a masked man sitting in it. The masked man supposedly gives Elizabeth a bottle of Ortho 7 mm-hmm. and says, this is what Gilbert drank. So Elizabeth's like, I don't know. Maybe you should test him for this and like gave it to the nurse. So the nurse immediately calls poison control and calls the cops because this story stinks to high heaven. So the police interview her about the masked man and she confessed. Okay. Okay. I made it all up. I found the ortho seven at home and I thought Gilbert was trying to kill himself with it. So I was trying to cover him up. So there was no like suicide shame over him. So the police are like, we'd like to have you take a polygraph test. And she's like, oh, my God, would love to. But I have a job interview right now. So I'll come back later. And like 11 days pass, she never comes back and police are ready to execute a search warrant. And they see that Elizabeth has skipped down with little baby Jonathan. Gilbert's like, that's when I knew for sure that she poisoned me when she went on the land with our kids.
1: He comes off as such a nice guy.
0: I know. He really does seem like a little angel. And you said, I can't remember the word, but you said like innocent, like wimpy, almost something like that. I don't want to put words in your mouth.
1: I'm not really sure. I might've called him wimpy. (laughs) (laughs) He just comes off as kind of like a string bean, you know, just, uh Hey, I'm just, you know, dopey guy. A a waif,
0: like this little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who will who will try and lift weights and take amino acids because his wife doesn't think he's hot enough?
1: So weird. Um, I do want to just say that it's called a cypermethrin, which is the um, active ingredient in yeah. the that poison, and it's um yeah I mean the symptoms uh, for having it include all of the things that we're talking about, including loss of bladder control, seizures, and possible death.
0: Oh my gosh! Terrible. Horrible! Yeah, horrible! Um, and you can buy
1: this at Home Depot right now for about twelve bucks.
0: Yeah. And we do not recommend using it for anything other than its intended use. But But it kills ants. That's good. Oh, I can imagine what it does to ants. My God, if this is what it does to like men. But um, police are accusing Elizabeth of attempted murder with special circumstances. So Sergeant Anderson, who we meet on Unsolved Mysteries, she gets a call from the FBI saying that they have Elizabeth in custody. She is in Mexico. She was all by herself in Mexico. There was no baby. So everyone's like, where is baby Jonathan? She gets extradited back to Redwood City. She stands her trial. And Sergeant Anderson, this is pretty brilliant. She has an age-progressed photo put in the jail of baby Jonathan. So if Jonathan comes to visit his mom in the prison, Mm. police would know that's Jonathan. And
1: the the age progression was actually pretty good. For once.
0: Yeah. Honestly, we've seen some bad ones. Ooh. I'm looking at you, the people who did Tammy leopards Oh, one. my
1: God, that one. It's like her grandma.
0: Yeah, it was so bad. But this one was really good. And it looked like, oh, that's how a human looks. I could see a little boy looking like that. So, And we
1: never get to see his face because, of course, they're protecting his exact identity.
0: But we get to see it because I got an update, people. But um, she basically, he comes to the jail. They she gets a call from the deputy saying that there's a little boy who looks just like that age progressed photo. He was living in Mexico, but he was brought to the prison by a relative. So the next day, Gilbert and Jonathan are reunited. Like you said, we don't see his face, but we see him like playing one on one basketball. Baseball.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like he's spending this time with his dad, and his dad seems super, super happy to have him back in his life.
0: He's grinning from ear to ear. And we talked to Gilbert, who's like, I want to make up for the eight years that I didn't have him in my life. Like, all that I want to do now is bond with my son. And apparently, yeah. Gilbert still suffers from long-term nerve damage, and he can't walk without assistance. He has been quoted as saying that the nerve damage, quote, feels like someone is tearing off your skin from the inside. I'd
1: be so, very pissed off this whole time. Oh, I, can you I, imagine? You know, it's, no, it's, it's really bad. And um, it's one of those things also... It, was preventable like they this uh, didn't have to be done to him
0: i know but could have just like, taken the kid yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> totally but here's where we get to the juice of the story yeah this is so, where
1: we learn that maybe there's more layers to gilbert than we realized
0: exactly um elizabeth fuentes Ortiz, who you know is the wife she was convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to 25 years to life plus six years for child abduction. but tough too Oh my god, I would not want to be her Sally. Yeah. But uh they have actually released her after serving thirteen years. So Which I'm she guessing seems like super
1: nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean I'm yeah. guessing good behavior and stuff. I'm sure she wants to get out and see her son. So she says, like I poisoned him, okay, but it was in self-defense because I was in an abusive marriage and I was raped all the time. It was horrible. Now not saying it's true or not, not saying that that's justification or not, but it is worth noting that in September of 1991, Gilbert was arrested on domestic violence charges.
1: With who? Do we know who?
0: With Elizabeth. With
1: her, okay. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. you never know these days. You know, it's kind of like, could have oh. been at work or, um, or whoever else they might be living with. You know, there just seems to be so much information not in this story. That's all.
0: And speaking of which, Little baby Jonathan, innocent little baby Jonathan. In 2010, he was convicted of two counts of beating and pulling a knife on Gilbert, his dad. Uh, We get a mugshot of him. We will post it on the Unsolved Mysteries. But apparently, Jonathan blamed Gilbert for having his mom incarcerated for trying to kill him. So he (laughs) beat his dad, who, keep in mind, can't walk without assistance, beat him to a pulp. Once on in June of twenty ten, and again in October twenty ten,
1: and he's a doppelganger for his dad. So
0: they look so alike.
1: Maybe you know, maybe Jonathan's a little bulkier. He got he was able to get the extra weight on. Uh. Yeah, he does
0: look like yeah he he's been doing those amino acid shakes. But uh, uh, he can get
1: along with his mom well. But um, <laughs> uh. it's
0: worth it's interesting though to to know that in two thousand ten is when his mom was actually denied parole for the first time. So maybe that is what set him off. But Gilbert tried to cover for Jonathan because he had to go to the hospital for these beatings. And he said that both times he was mugged at knife point. Um, a, a family member though, who heard the beating contacted the detectives from the poison shake case and said that Jonathan beat Gilbert while repeatedly screaming about how Gil- it was Gilbert's fault that Elizabeth was incarcerated, which I is mean, so it's misguided.
1: So crazy. I mean, it, think of the scenario that's going on here and I'm sure you have. You have this public story where your dad has gone through all of this because of your mom. And
0: mm-hmm. if you watch
1: Unsolved Mysteries, I'm going to guess he has. Um he You know, it's like he on the on the surface has this like wonderful new relationship with his father and everything. And now you're beating the crap out of him because your mother poisoned him and is being I know and is being, you know, was arrested for it. And
0: but maybe this whole time elizabeth's telling him like he used to beat me i'm just, yeah. you know he had, and i know sons feel so protective over their moms sure. and i couldn't i'm it's so misguided though i mean poor gilbert but maybe gilbert also yeah, Did we don't know beat the whole story. We don't know yeah um he ends up pleading no contest to felony assault and said it was in self defense because his dad's an abusive alcoholic and he ended up receiving a 5 year suspended sentence Uh, But in 2012, Jonathan and I quote two other gang members were charged with attacking a man in a Redwood City bar with a broken beer bottle.
1: Maybe they need to get out of Redwood City.
0: Oh, my God. This case is so messed up.
1: So, do, um, is he free now? Is Jonathan out and about? Do we know?
0: Unclear. Unclear. I wish I had that info. I'm sure he probably is because California and the overcrowding. I mean, you saw she had 25 years to life plus six years, got out in 13. Like, he probably is out. This The last assault happened in 2012.
1: Wow. And do we know about and, how old Jonathan is right now? His 30s? Okay. Oh but he was God. eight years old when when did they get back together in two thousand? I know I'm trying to
0: figure it out. Sorry. I'm
1: sorry, I'm throwing like curveballs your way. No,
0: that's okay. That's okay. Um okay. So this happened.
1: It's probably about your age. I'm gonna just yeah, throw it out. I think there. that's fair. Let's and, do that.
0: Okay, ninety two, he was two. So yeah, he was born in ninety.
1: Okay. So he's about, you know, thirty, thirty, thirty thirty. Thirty years old. Um He's been through a lot. That's kind of crazy you know it's
0: i mean it's a rough life culture shock he was living in mexico with this family uh, like his family members and then he gets transported to california to live with his dad there's a lot going on in this kid's life it is definitely turbulent let alone the fact that his mom tried to kill his dad yeah.
1: well yeah i think that brings us to the end of this story hopefully we never Ooh. hear from jonathan again hopefully unless it's something um, positive
0: I'm gonna go out on a wire here and say I don't want to hear from any of the people mentioned in this episode. Oh, again.
1: personally, like, I don't want to hear from, but I mean hear oh of. God. You know, let's hope if they If I stay get out a backwards
0: letter in the mail, I'm gonna lose my mind.
1: <laughs> As I write one, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. <right?
1: laughs> no, no, no backwards letters, no creepy mail. Oof. I already sent you a creepy mail.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did
1: the the book bomb.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, the, you guys know that we covered the like cookbook zip gun bomber. Mark sent me the same exact cookbook and just said, "Don't be scared." Uh.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have warned you. I, I kind of regret warning you that you were um, that a book was coming or something. It was, was a coming.
0: thin book. I was like, "How thin was that gun?" Damn. I
1: really thought about that, and I, I talked to my son about it, and um, we're all, we're playing around with the idea of kind of creating something. And then I'm thinking, maybe I shouldn't do that with my 12 year old. Yeah, maybe not. But it, it's kind of a fun thing to think about, you know. Um, when when it comes to experiments and oh yeah you know, that kind of stuff but the, um, view,
0: the views of mark do not reflect my views <laughs>
1: <laughs> i always wanted to find a book that's like cut out like when you open it up it's like the shape of, yeah. like a little 22 revolvers
0: like shawshank redemption style
1: tonight we have been confronted with an entire catalog of unexplained and unsolved events tune in next time unsolved mysteries rewind discusses another collection Unsolved mysteries. Until then, we can only look and wonder.